Welcome to another episode of Pili, Raul, and La Musica. And this is a very special episode because this is the first of our live recordings in front of an audience. That's right. When we set out with the vision of having a podcast, we always wanted to think outside the box and do something different. You know, Raul and I get to have this amazing experience with talented musicians where we sit face to face with them in an intimate, vulnerable space. And we were like, how can we bring this to you guys, to music lovers, to those people who want to see it live and have this same experience that we're having with them. So we reached out to our friends over at Jack Daniels because we know how big fans of Musica Latina they are and how they're willing to promote the stories of these artists that we know and love. They quickly signed on to host us monthly at their beautiful and intimate space, room number seven. And the space is perfect for us because we get to do our interview, the audience gets to participate in a Q&A with the artist, and we're all treated to a very special stripped-down acoustic performance. What a great way to launch this live series than with LA's pioneering indie songstress, Maria del Pilar, who has such an inspiring story. We get to talk to her about her childhood, her upbringing between Chile, Puerto Rico, and LA, the amazing 90s and 2000s band, Los Abandoned, her solo work, and also she was recently featured on Star's show Vida, which paid a bit of an homage to her amazing career. And if that wasn't enough, it even becomes a little bit of a group therapy session towards the end. So let's check it out right here on Jack Daniels Presenta Pili, Raul, en la Música, en vivo, desde room number seven. Big round of applause for Maria del Pilar. Gracias. Mi querida amiga, a quien respeto y amo mucho, mucho. So, let's go back to the start. You were born in Chile. Mm -hmm. um, another thing that we have in common is the fact that I'm Puerto Rican, and she actually lived in Puerto Rico. Mm -hmm. I did. Um, and then you came to LA. So, tell us a little yeah. bit about where you were born and also the influences that these three major places have in your, in your art? Um, well, I was born in Chile, and uh, my parents decided to have the American dream, but not really being able to, they didn't speak, I mean, they spoke a little bit of English, but uh, for them it was going to be much easier to immigrate to Puerto Rico which is, it is a U.S. territory, so... In case. In case you don't... <laughs> you didn't know that. Because a lot of people like, don't know that. <laughs> um, and so uh, I I lived like year a year and a half, right? So I was just a, a year and a half old, and then uh, my parents wanted the American dream, and they immigrated to Puerto Rico. And then in Puerto Rico, um, it was interesting. It was like we were actually uh, told that we needed to go back to Chile because we actually we went to Puerto Rico illegally. So we were actually asked to, to or kicked out, wanted, you know, make sure to. Like, I was going to say asked. That yeah. was very nice of them. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, kicked, kicked back, you know, kicked out. And but luckily my mom was pregnant at the time with my sister. So my sister was going to be an American citizen. And so we were able to stay. But we still had to do paperwork or whatever. So at, at that, my sister is born. But then 
we have to go back to Chile for a little while to live before papers and everything. So if anybody's ever gone through the immigration thing, I think you know what the deal is. You go back and forth, right, until you get the papers right. Um, and so this sort of back and forth also created a lot of um, uh, just, you know, it was hard on my parents. It was really hard on their relationship. And so they separated. And at that time, and also they separated also because my mom thought, well, we already had some family here in L.A. And my mom at the time was like, you know what, why don't you take care of the girls to my dad? And I'm going to come to L.A. and see what it's like. And I'm going to, you know, and see if maybe, you know, we start living in Los Angeles. So she moves here. And... She was an educator in Chile. She got her um, degree in education. And they were both musicians as well, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, that's how they met. They met uh, being musicians in the Chilean scene in the late 60s, early 70s. So this is around the time of like Los Angeles Negros. And um, so that was a huge band. And um, and so, sh but she couldn't use her... her um, she couldn't use her degree, her degree of edu uh, in education. So for her, she was like, okay, the next best thing I can do is Los Angeles is the entertainment capital of the world. I, I'm just going to be a, a nanny and a tutor for the stars of Hollywood. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> so she ended up uh, being a nanny and a tutor to the kids of Flip Wilson um, and also, uh, she used to go on set um, to uh, teach. Uh, what year what was, was this, this more or less? This is uh, this is like late seventies. This is late seventies. And then, um, uh, what's her name? Melissa Gilbert mm -hmm. from Little House on the Prairie. Oh, Laura Ingle. Okay, so she used to go on set to teach her, and she actually used to teach her Spanish. <laughs> Anyhow, so yeah. So here's the thing is like th I grew up with a with a mom that was very visionary and very feminist and a musician and very connected to the, what what it meant to be bicultural bilingual and how important that was and and also like so visionary like for her it was really important like cuando te vienes a la casa like when you get home you, we speak Spanish because I know you're speaking English the rest of the time outside in the world. And I want you to, and not only are we speaking sp only Spanish at home, but you're going to keep a connection with the family in Chile um, and your friends in Puerto Rico, like, you know, like uh, being pen pals and things like that. So I made sure to, you know, I was writing in Spanish and I was, you know, when, when we could call, we would, <laughs> when we were kids. And, Would you um, listen to music in Spanish? Yeah, and then, well, the thing was was that, of course, my parents being musicians, so here we are, so like Los Angeles, my mom does all this stuff, and then my parents get back together, and we're living in L.A., and we're living in Van Nuys. And <laughs> the valley. And, yeah, in the valley, in a, in a three-story apartment with like 70 units, and it felt like we were in like it's a small world in that building because it was like every kind of uh, um, background was in that building. It was African-American, uh, Turkish, Armenian, British, um, 
um, Mexican. There was a Cubano, <laughs> see, Chicanos, and so it was. It was such a big mix, and so that's how I grew. And my mom loved that. For her, like that's all she wanted. She wanted me to grow up with diversity, being proud of where I was from, like putting myself in other people's shoes. Um, it was just these things that were so, like she just wanted to make sure that that's how I viewed the world, right? And to have empathy, and and so I th I think you can hear it and see it in my and feel it in my music, you know that that upbringing. Well, we're glad that she instilled that in you <laughs> yeah. because obviously your music is both in English and Spanish mm -hmm. and you go back and forth and it, it all works because these days you talk about Spanglish and, you know, and just the fusion of the two languages and that's how everybody speaks. Mm -hmm. Whether you're a Chicano, whether you're from Puerto Rico, whether you're from uh, Argentina, it doesn't matter. You know, it's like we've been to like places like Mexico City or even places like at Coachella and seeing like just this you know, just this mesh of languages mm -hmm. and just the way everybody communicates these days. And it's really cool that they instill that in you and you still bring that forward in your music today. So yeah. now I guess we should ask a little bit like, well, when did it all kind of start for you? I know the first band was Los Abandoned and mm -hmm. what, what year did that <laughs> kind of form? That was right after, so when I was, I went to CalArts for music school. Um, which was really fun because I also got to be around filmmakers, animators, uh, theater, dance. And so, it, I mean, it was, I got to do music for film and got to do world music. And one of the things that I wanted to do was sort of create my prototype of the perfect band that I could make. Is there and such a thing? <laughs> For me, right, which for me, that prototype was uh, for it to be bilingual, Spanglish, bicultural, and mix of all kinds of genres. And so having had that prototype while I was going to music school, it, it already kind of, and it, was, and it was great, right? Like I had, that's, and then that's when I decided, okay, now that I've graduated from music school, I'm gonna try that. You know, I'm I'm gonna try that, and then it it happened. So I, I want to like put 2001. Things, yeah, exactly. I yeah. want to put things into perspective because I think now, especially a lot of Latinos in the room who are in music, we know that bilingualism or Spanglish is kind of normal for us now. But in the Latin alternative world, that wasn't like your band mm. really <laughs> put that on the map. Los Abandon was one of the first Latin alternative rock bands to actually use bilingualism in their lyrics yeah and spanglish and i mean you know we had there had been other bands doing it like los lobos you know um and we definitely looked up to los lobos i mean the colossal heads one of my favorite <laughs> albums of all time <laughs> i think for the aughts decade uh there wasn't really anybody doing it really aside from that i mean there were other bands you know that would mix the mixed languages and and uh but um, it just, it came so n natural to me, you know, to, that's always how I've always written songs and how I've always written stories and how I've always spoken. So it was just very natural. And luckily I found other musicians that would go along, the, you know, on the ride with me. So, and I, and I met the musicians in Los Abandon 
through the Latin alternative scene. So that was through, like I met um, my, the bass player, Moises, through, because he used to write for La Vandelastica and Al Borde, and he actually reviewed the band I, I had when I was at music school, the prototype band, right? <laughs> and uh, same thing with David Green. Uh, I met him because he was playing with his with both Lisa Flores and Tijuana Bibles, and we all were with my old band, right? The prototype band. We played the same shows. So this is like '99, 2000, um, and then we all saw ourselves without these bands. Like these bands then disbanded, and then we were kind of like, "Hey, why don't we start a project?" Mm -hmm. You know, and kind of, and and that's why we named it Los Abandoned because <laughs> of we were abandoned by everyone. <laughs> because we were abandoned by our previous bands. So we were like, well, you know, let's. Why don't we take this heartbreak and make it into really cool music and really cool songs and kind of put all the experiences of all those bands and and everything we had done before and put it into this and. So, yeah. Well, you mentioned Los Lobos, who are obviously icons in their kind of genre of Latin and Spanglish and bilingual music mm -hmm. to begin with. But there's also bands like Oza Motley, Chicano Batman, who have been doing it for quite some time. You can even go back to like the Midnighters that had like yeah. the major doo-wop yeah. sound that even like back in the 60s and early 70s, they were already mixing those two languages yeah. and fusing the two kind of cultures together, mm -hmm. which was kind of like left field and pushed out yeah. but you guys definitely like trailblazed and laid down the yeah. path for a bunch of other bands and it might not be like the punk or the indie rock but you got groups like la santa cecilia now who are huge las cafeteras who you guys have like really opened doors for so thank, thank you for you. doing that yeah. first of all oh, i'm so happy i got <laughs> i'm just glad i got the chance to do it <laughs> seriously i mean so to give you a little bit of story, background of how Maria Pilar and I met, it was, I want to say, what, five years ago, maybe six years ago, who knows, a, a while ago, and I was working for Univision, and I, me tocó entrevistarla, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, voy a entrevistar a mi, a mi tocaya, which you know that word now, <laughs> and we, you know, I interviewed her, and, and we totally hit it off. To, we did. Yeah. It was like instant click. Yeah, yeah, it was. And and ever since I got to read about who Maria Pilar is and what she's done, I've always been like, wow, you deserve so much recognition for what you've done mm -hmm. and for opening the doors to mm -hmm. so many bands. And I want people to recognize you more. Oh. And I get frustrated when they don't. <laughs> Do you feel that frustration? Well, you know... Not like, yeah, anymore. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. I mean, here's the thing. It's like um, I was just featured in uh, an episode of the new season of the show uh, Stars TV uh, show called Vida. And so if you watch, if you watch episode six. <laughs> yeah. I hear you so, play like this crazy left field acting artist, right? Like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's basically, no. <laughs> uh, it's a little bit of a stretch. You play yourself. I get to play, yeah, yeah, big stretch. But what was, what was, what's great about the episode, and if, if you get to watch it, you get to see it, you'll hear that it, there is definitely a tip of the hat, you know, to 
uh, Los Abandoned in in the episode. And so just that alone, I f- thank you. I feel recognized. So thank you. Yeah, that's Woo! all I, I was like, yes, this is great. You know, I mean, really, really, that it feels really good. So, yeah, because that was a lot of that band was a lot of blood, sweat and tears. And to us, it was like rock and roll high school. I would not be able to do, you know, this. I wouldn't have been able to do or to start this solo project without that, mm-hmm, you know. Of course, yeah. So yeah, so um, it's it was it was a huge part of my musical foundation. So what do you think was yeah. like the biggest <laughs> lesson that you learned from Los Abandoned that now you've taken to your solo project? Um, creatively or both, both. Well, definitely to stick to my guns in terms of like the music that I want to make. I think that that's really important. Um, and then for me, it was also to stay with uh, the bilingual, the bicultural, the mixing of genres, the Spanglish, you know, to keep that going. Um, and, and then uh, in terms of like an overall lesson, it was making sure to... Uh, to choose your battles, right? So especially when you're young and you're thrown into the music industry, it's very overwhelming, right? So you feel like you have to make all the choices all the time and you have to fight for everything all the time and, you know, eso, eso cansa. <laughs> you know, and also it's kind of like it takes you away from the focus of what really matters, which is the the shows, the creativity, the writing of the music, being the artist. So that was one of the biggest things. And then also um, enjoying enjoying the moment. Mm. Enjoying the moment. Like not thinking about, you know, not being on stage and thinking about like, you know, this and this and this and this. But really being in the moment and enjoying what you have in front of you. Yeah. Was it difficult to transition from a group to a solo artist? I mean, because um, when you have a group, you, you, you can depend on your, your bandmates and everybody kind of feeds off of each other. But when it's just you up there, it's kind of vulnerable and you're there alone with everybody. Yeah, it was it, it's such a different beast. That's what I that's what I definitely saw. It was like, okay, now I'm responsible for everything. I can't like blame it on someone else. <laughs> you know. So, that was that was uh that that was probably the biggest thing is that, you know, now I'm totally on my own and I, you know, make all the decisions. So, yeah. That's probably the toughest part. Are we ever going to see a Los Abandoned reunion? You just have to, I mean, it's happened. This was back in 2011. You just have to ask. <laughs> All right. We want yes, reunion we want. of Los Abandoned. <laughs> yeah. Like that, just like that. I mean, nothing against your, your solo albums. They're great, you know. Uh, Songs and Canciones 1 and 2, and you got so many singles that have been floated out. Thank but you. But obviously, you know, a, one of the big songs for me was En El Dance Floor that came Thank out on you. the first one. But yeah. now we go to Songs and Canciones 2 where you have more ballads and more love songs or, you know, things that, that basically show the strife and the, the the challenges of being, you know, bicultural or yeah. being a Latin artist mm-hmm. in this kind of like mainstream yeah. world. Yeah, one of the... So there's a song on the new record called original dreamers right and um on the first album i wrote illegal in a style 
right? So that was that song was about when I was touring with with the old band, and um, we would see, you know, we would tour with different bands like Takua and Molotov and Malita Vecindad, and so and what would happen when we would go on these tours, especially when we'd go through Texas we kind of would have to, you know, s fight our way around the the border control, the border patrol and all of that. So I saw how a lot of artists were kind of, you know, had to go go around it so that they could get to the venues and they could, you know, they could show up and do their thing. Um, Cause they were in the country legally. So, and that's why I wrote that song. And then, and even in the band, I was always writing songs that were about the struggle of, of being bicultural, of, of being like, como de un lado y también soy del otro lado, and, and having the challenges of, um, of citizenship and of belonging, really. Like, um, so um, when I, so the, these songs have always I've always you know written these kinds of songs and then for the new record so I go to therapy a lot <laughs> I don't know if anybody else goes to therapy. can anyone relate <laughs> <laughs> you're not the only one mama yeah. okay I don't feel so alone thank you um, <laughs> group therapy later um, so so one of the things that I've been working on for a really long time that the therapist has, had been challenging me on was uh, writing a song about my mom. My mom unfortunately passed away when I was 11 in a car accident where I was the only survivor. And so she, what, what she want, and I've you know, been challenged with this trauma for all my life. And that's why her lessons are so significant and why for me whatever art i'm doing and whenever i can come in contact with people it's i always have that it's like such such a deep you know thing that's in my in my dna um so she challenged me to write a song about my mom and i was never ready to do it i mean i had had other people suggest that and i was always like no 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 like just never ready and finally i was ready and there was um, the, all of the DACA sort of chaos was happening at the time. This was about two years ago. And, um, and so I thought about, because my mom was an educator, right? So, and I thought about, um, you know, just sort of thinking back, like how would, if she was alive now, how would she look at this, you know, and how, what would she say to the dreamers, right? And one of the things that I saw um, online was that the kids of immigrants, right? So the, the dreamers that are the children that are getting uh, education in the United States and hopefully able to stay you know, and have a job here. Um, the parents are called original dreamers. And that's when I was like, that's my mom, right? So what I decided to do with that song is to talk up to like have have the song be her point of view and from when she wanted the american dream when she wanted this vision 
for her kids, for me, and what she would say to the dreamers. And so, and then that was, that was a song and uh, got to produce it and write it with Philip Nikolic of Poolside and also with Carlos Arevalo from Chicano Batman. And, you know, that it's like that song, that was the first single that came out from this record and I think set the tone of, of this album. They do say that music is therapeutic. Yes. Did I say yeah. that right? <laughs> yep. Muy bien. ¿Verdad? You get a star. <laughs> <laughs> Did it felt therapeutic to you? Very. Yeah. And every time I sing it, too. I mean, just performing. And I think for many of you that are creatives and and sing, or even if, you know, you go to karaoke, right? It's like you, ha it's that vibration in your body just heals you, right? No matter if you're singing Jesse's Girl at karaoke, <laughs> which is what I do, um, or you're listening to Raul on, you know, on, on KCRW, KCRW and yeah, that, that in the car, in the car, and you're like, you know, it's just like the, you know. Anyhow, or like Billy, like you play drums and you feel something from the vibrations, right? It's just, yeah. Oh yeah I love how you say that I play drummer. drums. So. <laughs> I hit things that are called drums. <laughs> Eventually, but, I'll get there, I'll get there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but the, Anyhow, the, yeah. the, the song's actually like fun and up-tempo and yes. vibrant. You could have easily made that like this, like more, you know, down, somber, speaking of like, you know, the truths, but the lyrics still come through, but yet the, right. the music that's behind it is like, right. it's like a fun dance song. Right, so here's the thing. It's like I grew up listening to a lot of great 80s and 90s pop, right? And so that's, and Beatles and things like that. So um, for me, it's always been about a good hook a good a good pop song structure and and also like there's a band very this is very like you know off the subject but there's a great band called this is oh my god this is going to show my nerd nerdum very bring much. it bring it here it comes they might be giants <laughs> anyhow yeah <laughs> so this band they might be giants was brilliant because they had a song called they'll need a crane and I remember like watching it as a kid on, on MTV. Anyhow, so, and I was like, what are these guys doing? Like, this is so weird. But then I found out that the song, and the song's really peppy and uppy with an accordion and like a drum machine. But the song was about the singer's parents getting divorced. And I was like, this is so brilliant. And then, so then I started going to CalArts to music school and did composition classes and met other songwriters and other people creating music. And that's one of the things that you can do with music is like you can, with the lyrics, you can, you know, sort of talk about uh, not a great, you know, uh, just something sad or something that's not that happy, but you can use the music to get, people to listen to it or to just get the message across, you know, a different way. Um, and also, I, and also my mom was a very happy person, even though if the caca was getting bad, like it, she just still was Translation, like, Translation, that means shit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, she just persevered a lot. And, you know, and I think that that's where I got sort of my, like, I'm not going to go down without a fight kind of thing. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Good. Yeah. Yes. 
when when we hear your sat songs, like we really feel them. Yeah, like I sad, feel. Guys, sorry, I feel your sadness. I feel your anger. I feel your frustration. But then when we have like more poppy songs, like in a dance floor, then you got me dancing and all that. What's easier for you as a singer songwriter to compose? Is it more like the sad songs, or is it more the happier songs? It depends. It really, it depends. They're both hard. I mean, it, you know, <laughs> they're both hard. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, because with songs you go through, there's some songs that, that happen and you write them and they just happen really quickly. And then sometimes there's songs that take years to create. Like you have a one sort of idea and then you put it on the shelf and then you go back to it maybe a year later or you hear it randomly on your demos th going through iTunes or whatever and you're like oh yeah that song I forgot all about that wait what I should write a song like and then you're ready to write a song you know with an idea that you had a couple of years ago so it's 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 layers it's you know just depends on on, on the what you want to say on what you want to say yeah sometimes the mood i'm kind of like i'm a real believer in that songwriting is also like if you're going to call yourself a songwriter if you're going to call yourself a musician it's also a job it's work so you wake up in the morning and you write <laughs> you know you wake up in the morning you practice so or do you actually you, like force yourself you know, to write yeah you have to it's the only way to to because what happens is like it's a magia that muse you know it only it, i mean you've heard I, I feel like i've i've heard other artists say the same thing it's like those things catch you when you're working when it's frustrating and like maybe on monday you started with just one line or a lot of crappy lines and then the next day you know it starts to make sense or you throw that away and you start all over again but it's just it's that process that that layering process and then you finally get to the gold you know you mentioned the show vida which yeah. you are in one of the episodes and the song heavy lifting is featured uh -huh. then how did that song come about how did those lyrics come about okay that song is interesting because that song also had la had layers it actually i wrote that song back in 2014 and it was actually like a dub it was like du a dub version very happy right and and then when i when i came to uh philip with all my songs that was in there in the batch of songs and he was like no the song is sad <laughs> he's like this song is haunting this like these lyrics like he's just like we need to make this like you have to you're gonna need to dig deeper and you're gonna like don't hide it between a happy face on a you know with a smile on your face right and that's so, pretty impressive that a yeah. uh, that philip from a band like poolside that is known for their kind of like happy literally poolside vibes that are like kind of summertime and everything's kind of like this cool kind of mid-tempo house and just kind of this, hap this happy vibe that he actually told you to like no yeah. you got to bring this back to the realness right yeah, yeah, yeah. And it also, I think it, 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 you know, goes to show also, I think, his growth as a producer yeah. and... Amazing uh, sensibility. Kinda, yeah, and knowing what I would need for it, you know. 
and and also he's you know he's Danish so <laughs> Danish people usually are they're a little sad too but um, <laughs> you know it was kind of incredible he was like you know I have this instrumental track that might match what you what you wrote with heavy lifting and then we just started to you know piece it together and that you know happened like that because I had already had the lyrics and the song written and then I just had to write another little bridge part and then it was done that Magic. one was yeah that was yeah I'm interested in that process of as a musician as an artist you go into the studio with this idea of how it sounds but then you're presented by your team in this case your producer a totally different idea and the fact that you were like super open and willing to change it and just like go with what he was suggesting yeah so that's another big lesson i've learned right and i think probably man, many other creatives and musicians out there you know i think you learn that if you're working with other people or if you're opening yourself up to a to a project you kind of you have to you have to at least see where things are going to go before you say no right so you kind of like for me i just say yes until you know it it takes its own journey and it feels right or you say yes 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 until it's like mm, no okay you know what that's not actually working so let's go this way and i think that's really important that way you you're you're open mm -hmm. you know you mm -hmm. you don't like stay let the magic in yeah you don't stay stuck yeah you don't say because you don't know you might go to places where all of a sudden you're like whoa that's a really cool riff or that's a really cool lyric or that's a really cool you know uh, part of, of the song that we can put in and like this really lifts it up and so it, it happened like uh, with another song that I had Carlos from Arevalo from Chicano play on was Future Streets and Philip and I were like it's done it's done it's done and I was like you know what it needs more it needs something edgier you know and so you is it just like a gut feeling that you're like ah oh, it's not done yet yeah, yeah it is kind of it is kind of a gut and then I just I just asked Carlos to come in and so I sent him the song and then um, he listened to it and then he came in for the for the session and he was like I'm just gonna do like a call and response with this you know and he just came up with like the perfect like guitar lick, uh, you know, lead for for the song, which actually like I feel like really made the song. It like put a beautiful bow on it, you know. So trust your gut, be open, you know, kind of all the things you hear in therapy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, Just to bring it back to therapy. Back to <laughs> so yeah. Lastly, well, antes que lastly. Okay. Um, Penultimate. Exactly. I love that word. Penultimate. What is your definition of success? And do oh. you consider yourself to be successful? Yes, I'm very successful because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very successful because I mean, geez, like my mom knew I was a music. Like she always said it to me. She's like, Pilar, tú eres músico, por favor. Haz tu piano. Canta acá. Anda a bailar para aquí. Toca el piano acá, toca la guitarra acá, you know. So it was always like, I always knew I was a musician, but I never thought that I would have had all these experiences and all these opportunities, you know. So 
Yeah. I, I, it's, I mean, man, if my mom was alive, she'd be like right here taking video, being like, <laughs> <laughs> so That's my little girl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, very much so. Yeah. I mean, not everybody gets these opportunities and gets to, I've been able to be my true, original, authentic self my, the whole time. I haven't had to, like, do what a label tells me to do or, like, wear, le- you know, wear skimpy clothes or, you know what I mean? Like, not that that's a bad thing, you guys. It's not a bad thing. But I we mean, do love your you know, punk side. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I'm a bit of a tomboy. But so, yeah, I've just been, I, that's what I feel like success is when you can be yourself in whatever you're doing, right? And then there's so much freedom when that happens. Well, I and think you've gotten yeah. the nod from a bunch of different people. You've worked with uh, yeah. bands like No Doubt, in uh, R. George of Bird and the Bee. You've played with Francisca Valenzuela and so many. So, I mean, the the words out there that it's like, wow, you're the real deal. So we appreciate what you do, and we just, you know, want you to keep doing it and continue success right, for sure on that. Thank yeah. you, and thank you for being our. Fr- yeah. yeah, thank you. And thank, thank you for you. being, which actually, we, we forgot to mention this, but by the way, so we've already recorded five episodes of Pili Raul en la Musica, but this is our very first live recording, so you guys are part of this. We, you know, so when we, when we set out with this idea, we're like, we love telling these stories and hanging out with the artists, but what if we can bring the artists to our audience? So thank you for being part of that first audience to witness this live. It's pretty awesome. Actually, we're going to do a Q&A, so if you guys can start thinking about questions that you might want to ask her. In the meantime, we're doing um, a little Jack Daniels sección numero siete, and it's going to be this awesome section of like seven questions. Okay. And it's kind of like rapid fire. So oh, you can't yes. overthink this. Yeah, you can't it. overthink oh, it. You no. got to come this with it like help. immediately. No. First thing that comes to mind. No. You want to start? <laughs> yes. Okay, Okay, go. all right. No. Well, we'll let you think about it a little bit. Little, <laughs> a little thought. Uh, do we start right here? Yeah, right? All right. We're yes. going to start there. Yes. All right. So we know you're a superstar and all, and you do a bunch of shows all over. But what is your pre-show ritual? Uh, usually, usually move around my hips like right? that, like that. Like that, just like <laughs> that. Do my okay, Shakira moves, <laughs> standing up, right? I do my Shakira moves, uh, and then wait, we kind of want to see them. Okay, yeah. Okay. Here we go. Take video, people. Video. <laughs> Where's the hula hoop? <laughs> we went on the road with Julieta Venegas, and I used to see her do that. And I was like, oh, if Julieta does it, I'm going to do it too. <laughs> <laughs> good enough for her, good enough for you. So, yeah, that and, uh, you know, vocal warm-ups. Okay, if you had to be something other than a musician, what would you be? A teacher. <laughs> what would you teach? Music. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. All right, so what is the first album you bought? Whether it's on CD, cassette, vinyl? Sure. What was the first album? Oi. Oh, Okay, Sugar Cubes was the first one on CD. Pero mi primer cassette fue Los Prisioneros. Ooh. Actually, you and I have danced to Los Prisioneros at your house. Yeah. While drinking tea. Yeah. (laughs) It's pretty random, but it's true. On a Sunday, 3 p.m. That's what Pilar's do. Um, What was the first... No. Oh, who's your music crush? 
Oh my god, I have so many. One. Choose one. <sighs> On the spot. It could it could be a girl, it could be a guy, it could be whoever. Music crush. Damn. That's hard. Ay. Little dragon. Ooh, buena. It's a buena. Yeah. Yeah. And also Raisin Murphy. Ooh, she's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> if you can go back in time, like get in your time machine and travel to a different musical era, okay. which one would it be? If I could get Baroque. <laughs> no, medieval. Come on. Medieval. No, 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 no. If you can hop in your time machine, where would you go? What, oh, my what, God. What decade? What era? 1979, The Clash. Ooh. Why? Why The Clash? Why? The only band that matters. It's the only wow. band that matters. Well, that's because that was their logo, you guys. Okay, do you have any backstage anecdotes? Oh, wait, I have one. I know this is not for me. This, is not, this question is not for me, but I'm obsessed with Brandon Flowers. Do you guys know who Brandon Flowers is? From the Killers, yeah. Yeah, gracias, Tamara. I'm obsessed with this guy. Like, I have posters. Like, I feel like I'm a 14-year-old. But anyway, Maria del Pilar was playing at Vive Latino in Mexico, and so was Brandon Flowers. 2015. 2015. Yeah. And I went to Vive Latino. Maria del Pilar took me backstage, and just music lover karma... Her trailer was right next to Brandon Flowers, and I got to... You got to meet him. To meet him. Yeah. yeah. That's my backstage <laughs> anecdote, but what's your backstage yeah. anecdote? Oh, I have... Okay, probably the one that's the, the most significant is when Neil Young asked Los Abandon to play the Bridge School Benefit, and Paul McCartney was there was one of the, uh, was the headline, and um, and we just played our set, we were first. And then we just hung out because the coolest people were there. It was uh, Sonic Youth, Chili Peppers, um, Paul McCartney, of course, Neil Young, and Steve Jobs was there. You guys, this is crazy. This was in, this was 2004 at Shoreline Amphitheater, so it's in, um, Mountain View, right? Silicon Valley. And so yeah. we were backstage and we were watching Chili Peppers play and Paul McCartney was watching um, them with his woman the, at the time, the girlfriend at the time. <laughs> Can't remember. <laughs> Which one? Not important. Which one? Pero, eh, so their set ends and his, uh, his girlfriend leaves and it's just Paul and me backstage by the monitor <laughs> control. And I was like, if I don't say something right now, this is like, I'm going to, I'm just, you know, I'm. So I'm what did you myself. say? Well, okay, so you then say? I was like, I don't know what happened. It was just like this, like this, like, like, uh, like, like this huge swoosh of like courage took over me, you know? And I was just like, are you having a good time? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, oh, I'm having a great time, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm conversing. I'm having this like full-on conversation with Paul McCartney, just him and I on the side of the stage, like we're be like BFFs. He's like, I was like, I was like, I'm sorry, my throat's a little, you know, I was having a cold or whatever. And, I, and he's like, oh, do you know what I do while I'm on the road? I take like garlic and da da da. He's giving me like his naturopath recipe of like 
what he takes on the road for colds and how he stays in shape. And then we start talking about vegetarianism. And then all of a sudden I turn around and I see my bandmates with their mouths going. (laughs) (laughs) They're like. And I was like, you should meet the rest of my band. (laughs) And then I call him over and, and then they meet him. And then all of a sudden it was like, make room for Paul, make room for Paul. And then whoosh goes away and then we never see him until he plays on stage that's awesome sir paul sir paul that's nice and now our last and seventh all right we we need a tool we need a phone oh that's right can can i borrow someone's or can someone because we don't have our phones yeah we need we we need need a timer we need need a timer timer. we need seven seconds wait 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 wait. better don't start yeah don't start it yet you want to say all right you need to pick your hit song what is your hit song in el dance floor all right ready you're gonna have seven seconds Wait, to sing what? it. What? Ready? Three, two, one, go. Y me doy vueltas en el dance floor porque tú sabes que yo quiero amor. I Maria was like, Delfinar, wait, everybody. oh, I see. You want me to sing the whole song? In no, 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 no. That was great. No, 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 that was perfect. Yeah. I like that how it sped up. It's like you turned it from 33 to 45. <laughs> it was like, it's a mashup. Yeah, it's a mashup. It was oh like the God. Hot Wheels guy. Yeah. And I totally aged myself. <laughs> Maria del Pilar, everybody. Put your hands Thank together. You so much. Woo. Oh. Thank you. Any questions from the audience? Q&A from you guys? Oh, yeah. We have a wireless microphone. See, that we going can around, take around somewhere. For any questions? You guys can raise your hands. Stand up. Or just sit down. Okay, there we go. <laughs> uh, big you like. question. I uh, see. Big, big fan. Uh, when you were at Viva Latino, uh, back when it was abandoned, uh, uh-huh. I noticed that I was watching the video, by the way, it was a badass performance. Thanks. Um, I noticed that one person was missing, and there was a girl that took place to him, and yeah. I'm a really good friend of his. Why was he not there? And uh, was it the same without somebody there? That was part of the original Oh, band. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really good question. Mentioning Moises, by the way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah of course. So, uh, Eva Gardner, who's an am- amazing LA-based uh, 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 bass player, she now she started with Mars Volta, and then she uh, now plays with Pink and Gwen Stefani, Cher, all these people. Um, and um, so she's been a friend for a really long time. So having her with us felt okay. It was like that was the only way we were going to do it, you know, as if we weren't going to have one of our band members there. It was, it, you know, it's just like anything else you do, especially creative, and it's like such a family. You, if someone's going to be replaced... You want to make sure it, you know it has that same that same vibe that same um, yeah so that's a, that's a really good question yeah but you know it happens you know like especially in a band or you know sometimes people can't can't make it can't be there and so you know you just get the best replacement possible you know so yeah. Hola. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Spanish or English? Both, right? Yeah. 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 So they're so like you're so calm, so you mentioned a lot about therapy, which yes. I mean applies to me and I'm proud of it. Yes. So like as a Latina muni- uh, a Latina woman and successful as like you and Pili, both pilars. Um, how like what do you think, you know, like it's like one of like the biggest challenge as a Latina woman in like LA and being in the 
entertainment business and what advice you could give to like younger girls or even yeah. like any upcoming like music actora, cantante, claro. lo que tú quieras. Well, yeah, because you're putting yourself out there, right? And so you're constantly in a very vulnerable place. So, I mean, that's not to say I haven't been at a rehearsal and I break down. Hello, happens half the time. But, you know, because you get frustrated and a lot of times when you're in the practice room, when you're in rehearsal, that's when you work all your caca out, you know? So, yeah. So it's a, such a vulnerable place. So it's just kind of, The more practice you get being vulnerable and uh, knowing what your healthy boundaries are, uh, knowing your worth, like just go making sure you go into a room and shine, not like, you know, apagarse, no, no te agaches el moño, you know, it's just like, you know, like, like keep yourself, keep yourself up and then community. I think that's the biggest thing. And also having someone that can be a mentor, keep you accountable, keep you thinking, looking at the big picture, right? Because we have to worry so much about the day-to-day. Um, and so, and then also have moments that you can enjoy what you do too. Because especially in LA, we hustle so much, we forget about that, you know, life is also about having fun. <laughs> So, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anybody else? Questions? Really short. What's next? <laughs> what's next? What's next? Oh, what's next? Yes. Oh, I like that. Well, I've been writing music for animation. So you guys will, uh, next year, you'll hear some of my songs on the new Nick Jr. show called Santiago of the Seas. It's a new bilingual show. Um, and then... Uh, I'm writing the next album, and I'm getting ready to, I'm putting together a tour for this record, so yeah, I mean, just keep going. So is you it going to be Songs and Canciones 3? Sí, claro. Course, because when I, when I met you, <laughs> I remember when I interviewed you that first yeah. time, which I mentioned earlier, yeah. I remember you saying like, this is, so when I interviewed her, it was for Songs and Canciones 1. Mm-hmm. And you said this is a, a trilogy. Yeah, I'm gonna do three albums. Yeah. So now songs and canciones two is here. Yeah. So then songs and canciones yeah. is cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I I just wanted to take take it and create kind of be like like a trilogy of books or movie. You know, where there's kind of like an act one, two, and three. You know, that's that's kind of how I'm how I'm looking at it. You know. And the con- conceptual is there way. an arc to the three records and what can we expect just, in the third one yeah it just depends on my life <laughs> 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 you know depends on what more we figure out in therapy <laughs> <laughs> but if you were if you were to categorize or describe like mm-hmm. songs and canciones uno how would you describe that okay. después can- songs and canciones dos. i mean i want to use the star wars reference right but then So you've got like the first part is like the Star Wars, the, la primera. Pero ¿cuál es el nombre? A New Hope. Thank That's you. That's Star Wars Four, technically. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a Star Wars. I geek. love it. I love it. And then two is Empire. This definitely feels like Empire. Okay. This one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. 
So then we're gonna. So what three, are we gonna get in Return of the Jedi? No, but I don't know. I'm not. I don't like Return of the Jedi though. I'm like, I'm not. I mean, I Ewoks are cute and everything, but I'm not like the hugest fan of Return of the Jedi. But uh, a lot of people say that Empire Strikes Back was the best one. Yeah, that's so like, we're right there with you. But um, so anyhow, yeah, it's it's it feels like it's gonna be like like a like a theater piece. You know, there's Act One, Act Two, Act Three. That's kind of how it feels like. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Last question, Chuck. The drummer. Well, actually, I was going to say, when's your, when's your next show? And can we oh. see you <laughs> So Chuck is actually Pilar's drummer. Yeah. And, and my first drum instructor. Anytime, Chuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, I have a show next week at Harvard and Stone. Um, Pop Rocks, and that's a free show. So that's next Wednesday, the 3rd, the day before... Fourth of July, so come have fun with us. Start your Fourth of July early, um, e, and then we're putting together a tour to go up and down Cali, Southwest, and Texas again. So that'll be like fall in the fall. Yeah. Awesome! Yeah. Thank you again. Gracias. Thank you, so guys. We're, we're gonna so take patient. a little. Thank you. We're gonna take a little break now while Pilar, you know, gets. We're, we're gonna rearrange up and everything. Uh, our living room. Um, we're gonna play some music in the meantime, but you can also check out her merch in the back. Follow her on Instagram. Maria del Pilar con cuantas R's? Four. Maria del Pilar. <laughs> Everybody, roll their R. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, everyone. Go have a drink. Thank you, everybody. Yes. Thanks. Continue we'll with the beverages. Don't Thanks again anywhere, to Jack Daniels. Oh, that's right. I'm yeah. playing. Gracias, Maria yeah. del Pilar. Thank Don't you so, anywhere, so much. She'll be playing very soon. Applausos. Gracias for checking out our podcast. Hey, and special thanks to Ulises El Licenciado Lozano for our amazing theme song. Our mix and recording engineer, Mario Diaz. Our artistic director, Dak. And can't forget about our sponsors, Pili. No, Raul, United Airlines, Sure Microphones, and Jack Daniels. Gracias for supporting La Musica Latina. And for more information and other episodes, be sure to subscribe to our podcast at Pili, Raul, and La Musica. Hey, make sure to tell your tía, abuelo, primas, everybody to subscribe. A todos. <laughs> <laughs>